This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. So, uh, tonight's story um, features skeletons. Uh, I don't know about you, um, but I think skeletons are pretty, pretty heavy metal. Uh, I'm quite proud of that slide because it's pretty, it's pretty dark. It's pretty goth. Um, what do you, what do you think of when you think of, of skeletons and skulls and stuff? Like, um, what's, what's your reaction? Anatomy, biology class. I hope not. No school tomorrow, so don't think about that. Any other ideas? Ezekiel. Somebody's a, a Bible nerd. Good job. <laughs> what do you reckon? Pardon? Creepy. Yeah, skeletons are kind of creepy. Uh, maybe like pirates, like the, the skull and crossbones flag thing. Um, I'm a massive nerd, so I think of Dungeons and Dragons because um, there's a lot of like skeletons running around you got to kill and stuff. Um, yeah, there's like a kind of... It's a bit dark, isn't it? It's a bit like, oh. Um, Lewis talked this morning, actually, uh, about light and darkness. If you missed it, it's on the YouTube. Uh, get on there and have a watch and a listen. Um, he talked about light and darkness and how uh, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, uh, gives us light uh, in the kind of darkness of life. I'm going to kind of do something similar tonight, similar but different. Uh, but instead of darkness and light, we're going to be talking about life and death, if you can guess. Um, <clears throat> in tonight's story, uh, it's a time in the history, in the story, the big story of the Bible, where there's not a lot of hope. Everything has gone really wrong, and God's people are kind of dead, in a sense. Uh, it's as if they're dead. Like, they're not actually dead, but it is as if they are. Uh, their temple has been destroyed. Their city in Jerusalem has been destroyed. Uh, heaps of their, like, main people have either been killed or taken into exile to live, like, thousands of miles away, which in those days was, like, the other side of the world, in Babylon, and it's kind of like, that's the end. The whole story that started with God selecting Abraham and saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation, you're going to have kids, and they'll have kids, and they'll have kids, and there'll be a whole nation of people, they're going to be my special people, my special possession, I'm going to love them, they're going to change the world. That was the vision. Abraham, then you had Isaac, his son, then Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and it's a big family. Um, and then they all had kids, and they had kids, and then you had Moses and the Red Sea. They went into the desert. They wandered around the desert for ages. They finally made it to the land that God had promised to Abraham all those generations, hundreds of years before. They get in there. They settle in the land. They, they kind of take control of it. They have all these kings. And then everything goes wrong. Everything goes bad. Uh, first, the Assyrians come in and wipe half of them out, and then the Babylonians come in and wipe out the other half, and 
the project that God had been working on from Abraham for hundreds of years is dead. The nation is dead. They don't have a land. They don't have people. It's just like dead bodies lying on the ground. And they have this guy as a prophet. Uh, basically, a prophet is just someone who hears a message from God, any kind of message. It doesn't have to be about the future. In this case, it kind of is. But it just has to be a message from God given to one individual person, and it's their job to share it with everyone else. And this guy, Ezekiel, gets these messages all the time, and I'm going to read to you uh, a message he got from God. <clears throat> this is what he wrote in his own words, Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Told you there was going to be bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I think if it was me, I'd be like, God, that's weird. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. This is too crazy. But no, Ezekiel, he's faithful. He, he writes, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live, and I will, place in, I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. It's a crazy story. Isn't that evocative? I love how he, he, he talks about 
not just what it looked like, but what it sounded like, the rattling of the bones. <laughs> like, it's so vivid. Uh, it's intense. And did you notice that the vision kind of has two phases? The first thing happens is that he, he prophesies to the, to the bones and says to them, hear the word of the Lord. He's prophesying to, to not just dead bodies, but bones. Actually, not just bones, but dry bones that have been dead for a long, 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 long time. And there's not a skerrick of any kind of flesh or anything left on them. And yet he's told to speak to them as if they can hear him. And they do. But we're told that's only half the job done. Then he has to prophesy not to the bones, but to the wind, to the, to the breath. And then there is full life and full restoration. Come from the four winds, O breath, he says. And actually, it's interesting. Um, there's this word. I want to teach you guys a, a bit of Hebrew tonight. You up for that? Just one word. It's easy. Actually, it might not be easy. Can you say ruach? No, no, you've got to get the ach. ruach. There we go. That word, ruach, is all through this passage. But our English translators have given us three different English words whenever it shows up. So every time you see the word wind or the word breath or the word spirit, all three of those is actually the same word in the Hebrew, in the original text. And unfortunately, the translators have tried to be helpful and tried to kind of use the context to decide which of those three English words is the best one in the context and then kind of lose the fact that it's this same word over and over and over. It's all through this passage, again and again and again and again. He talks about, you know, the, the breath will enter you. That's, that's the ruach, the breath, the spirit, the wind. Or he talks about, like in this verse, <clears throat> come from the four winds, O breath, is actually come from the four ruachs, O ruach. Like it's this word again and again and again. That's a fun word to say, too. Um, it helps to clear your throat, you know. <laughs> so, the Spirit is actually what is happening here, the Holy Spirit. Um, and actually, this, this comes from right at the start of the Bible in Genesis, when God makes Adam out of the dust, out of the, the dirt, out of the earth. And it says that God formed the man out of the dirt, in chapter 2 of Genesis. And then it says, and God breathed into the man to make him alive. And so this is this idea from right at the start of the Bible that to be a living human being, you need two things. You need your physical form and you need the breath of God breathed into you. So yeah, that's a great... Uh, that's a great little bit of uh, theology for tonight. The two stages, these two bits, you know, we've got the preaching to the skeletons, part one, and then preaching to the wind, to the breath, in part two. It teaches us something. And that is that this first kind of prophesying, of speaking to these dead bones, only goes so far. 
There's, there's something about the work that a prophet like Ezekiel can do for these people to give them life out of their, their despair, out of their hopelessness. He wants to speak life to the, to the people of Israel who feel like they're dead bodies. That's what this vision is about, right? It's explained at the end there. And he's spent, Ezekiel has spent his whole career preaching to God's people in this exile away from Israel, speaking to them. And it's kind of as if he's talking to, to dead bodies or, or like he's, he's preaching to a bunch of zombies. It seems to make no difference to them. I guess in a sense there is a power there, but, but not enough to make a lasting change. There's another kind of power. The power of the Spirit that makes the dead come alive. And I think we can kind of learn something from that. What I'm doing right now is not enough. What I'm saying to you and what you're hearing from me is not enough. It's good. I hope it's good. (laughs) I hope you're learning something. But it isn't enough to bring about new life. The life, the spiritual life, that the, the power to put animation into these dead bodies, to make them really alive and not just put back together, is the breath of God. Now, the problem with this is that we're starting to layer a whole bunch of metaphors, one on top of the other. And I hope we're not getting too lost in all of that. Um, Life, I think, life and death is kind of a concept as two opposites. Um, It's something that comes up again and again throughout the Bible. And the Bible often uses life and death as a kind of metaphor, as an imagery to describe a, a spiritual reality that is hard to put words to. And we know what a, the difference between a living person and a dead person, or a living animal and a dead pan, animal, or, or a living plant and, and a plant that I own. Uh, there, is, there is this contrast that might help us to understand the spiritual reality, that there is spiritual death all around us. Our world is full of spiritual deadness. Uh, maybe your life has a bit of spiritual death in it right now. Maybe you're in a, a dead or dying family where it, it isn't full of life and it isn't giving you life because there's conflict, because there's strife, because there's pain. Maybe you're in a dead or dying friendship with someone where, where there's hatred and there's discord and there's a lack of, of care or a lack of trust. Maybe you're, you're just your life is kind of a dead or dying circumstance where things are just broken and they're not right. We all have things like that in our life, these elements of our lives that are kind of 
shaped by death. Uh, it makes me think of this passage um, from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, so now we're in the New Testament. Um, but picking up on this same idea of, of death and life, Paul writes this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now, I know that passage doesn't mention the Holy Spirit, which is our theme this term, but I think it helps to kind of unpack what we mean by the, the bits of your life that are like death to you. It's not just a kind of a cartoon idea of evil, of, of the cartoon bad guy, of, of the, uh, the skeleton cartoon. This is true evil. The kind of stuff in your life that makes you sad or makes you mad or just makes you want to give up on it all. What do you do when you're faced with that deathliness in your circumstances? Or what do you do when you realize it's in you, that you are the skeleton? How do you bring about life out of death? Well, for Ezekiel, uh, God says to Ezekiel, and to all of the people of Israel, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. Or if you want to think of, of our New Testament, Jesus died and rose again. There is this amazing story all through the Bible, where God does the reverse of nature. That everything that has breath, everything that is alive, dies. But with God, He takes what is dead and makes it alive. There's a reversal of not life becoming death, but death becoming life. And we, in Jesus can be the ones who were dead, who came alive. And we're not just alive because we know about Jesus. We're not just alive because we think we should be. We're not just alive uh, because we've heard a, a message like this preached. Because the words are not enough. The words are not enough. We need to become alive by the Spirit, the Ruach, the breath of God. 
if you have received the Holy Spirit, if you have given yourself to God, if you have said, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my King, I'm going to live for you. If that's you, then you have in you the breath of God. You breathe His breath. You live His resurrected life. It fills your heart. It fills your soul. And it fills your life. If you haven't received that, well, you can. That's the good news. The life that we are offered. Did you see that in that Ephesians passage? I'm going to flick it back up. There it is. The life that we are offered is not something that we have to achieve. It's not some bar you have to reach. He says so clearly, you're dead. A dead person can't make themselves alive again. The only way out is for Jesus to come and get you. The the God who is so rich in mercy and loves us so much would give us, like a gift, new life. Resurrected life. The breath of God filling our souls. The breath of life. So, I want to pray for us. Uh, Yeah, let's pray. (laughs) Lord God, we praise you that you are so rich in mercy that you look upon us and our world and all the death and all the darkness. You look upon us in our, our helpless state. Lord, we are not able to save ourselves. We can't fix this broken world. We can't fix our broken hearts. We need you, God. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and move in us. Breathe breath of God. Breathe life into our dead hearts. Breathe life, breathe life into our dying circumstances. Bring some of that resurrection power to bear on our hearts and on our lives. In Jesus' name. Jesus, the one who died and rose to life. Jesus, the one who freely gives us a gift of new life. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. 
To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.